When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Andrew Mearns, joined as always by Kun Shaw. How's it going? Going pretty well, pretty well. I was ready to be very annoyed, but uh, the Yankees decided to wake up yesterday, so I'm in a better mood now. Yeah, uh, boy howdy, did they. They were shut out by the Pirates through the first four innings of that game. They were stranding a whole bunch of runners like what they did in the first game of that two-game set when they lost 5-2, to two, and when they looked pretty quiet on Sunday in Cleveland and only got one hit, so that was... Uh, an unfortunate trend where they had only scored like two runs in the previous 20 innings or something like that. And then they scored 16 in the last five. So that's, uh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, even if like the last six or whatever were scored off a poor, poor hapless pirates infielder, but <laughs> yeah, you got it to that point anyway. And like, I was looking at it. He, he was like used, he's been used. Like, I think this was the third time he's been used as a pitcher this season. Yeah, and like his ERA jumped from like a thirty-one point five to like a forty-something now. Yeah, never a good sign when your ERA is thirty-one and it goes up by ten runs. Yeah, that's uh, that's my uh, baseball analysis for you. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they say ERA is worthless. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Yankees uh, did a good job turning that game around, and they 
piled up the runs. They did what they were supposed to do against the Pirates. You would have liked them to win both games, but hey, the Royals beat the Astros last night. So weird things sometimes happen in baseball. And that might explain what happened in the first game of that two-game set with Jameson Tayo and giving up some bad homers and more runs than we'd expect against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I mean, it's a 162-game season. They're going to lose some weird ones. They're going to – but whatever. You, you Like, when the Yankees – like, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, but, like, when the Yankees have built up a record as good as they have and they've been looking as good and dominant as they have been, you you can't focus on a loss here and there and just and try and figure out what went wrong. Just you got to just chuck it up to that baseball. <laughs> you know, as I've heard from about 50,000 baseball players at this point in my life, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Ah, I thought it was a sprint. Yeah, well, that was foolish of you. Yes. Have you not? Did you not hear like uh, thirty Derek Jeter interviews in like a span of a week where he'd say the same thing, <laughs> right? Or at least something along those lines. Yeah. Right. But oh, in the in the past week, they are uh, three and three since our last recording. They lost the stupid one day detour in Houston, but as he said, whatever. Uh, in the whatever f the Astros yada yada yada, <laughs> then they uh, dropped 19 runs in a doubleheader on Saturday in Cleveland, which was nice after the the rainout Friday, and they you know obviously they played terribly on Sunday and lost that one. But the Guardians are a good team. I would have liked to see a little bit more than what the Yankees showed in that game. But again, Guardians are no pushovers. Tristan McKenzie's really good. Fair enough. Uh, they lost that one, but. Took two out of three in Cleveland, split the two in Pittsburgh. So not the best week in the world, but definitely good week to still keep pace and make sure there things are still clicking, even if the offense looks a little off at times. Yeah, I mean, the offense has been a little inconsistent. I want to say like the last like week or two, maybe. Yeah, feast, um, and, feast or famine, really. Because like, you know, even dating back to that home Astros series, they dropped 13 runs in the wins, but then scored one run total on the losses. So Right. Yeah, so it's been a little inconsistent, and you know, Judge is kind of going through like a quote-unquote slump. Yesterday's game, notwithstanding, when he like broke out and got his thirtieth home run with the grand slam, but he'd been a little off for you know a little bit, uh, a little bit of time now. So, and obviously, this offense runs through Judge. Like, yes, they're still a deep lineup where, like, even if he's having an off night, they should they they should find a way to get it done, which they still have been for the most part. But the inconsistency kind of is in line with Judge's slump and. You know, it's just whatever. But it's nice to have the security blanket of uh, an Aaron Judge MVP kind of season when some other guys are maybe some other guys are maybe going through things. But he was in a four for twenty seven skid um, after the walk off home run against the Astros. So good to see him break out with three hits. And it was a uh, it was unfortunate that they, they lost Rizzo to some back stiffness. He's uh, probably going to be out a few days. They don't think it's an IL situation, but. Obviously, something that they want to keep an eye on. He's such a valuable player in this lineup with the, the lefty power. It's been interesting to see how they've adapted and tried to maneuver around with some different lineups. We actually saw Matt Carpenter start in right field last night. That was his yeah, first, that was, first start that was in right field for him since 2013, which was just uh, a wee bit ago. You know. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Dialing it back to the Travis Hafner era. Ago. Yeah, it was long enough ago that Travis Hafner was playing games for the Yankees. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. But hey, it worked. Yeah. Hey. So, is 16 runs working? I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess I guess it's fine. So Matt Carpenter is the new right fielder, right? That's how that's how these things work. 
<laughs> yeah, that that's just science. Yep. But it seems like they're will at least more willing to sort of play around with what their normal setup is, given the slumps of you know Joey Gallo especially because he's just I mean he homered yesterday he actually squared up a pitch for once and that that was fun to see just because we haven't we honestly have not seen that much because he had been in a miserable slide of like one for 33 so good to see that he still has the ability to hit one out of the ballpark but as a whole like they have a lot of questions with Joey Gallo right now and understandably so and they've been trying to like ease the pressure on him put him in the nine hole and like almost use him as a fourth outfielder considering for the people they have but when the offense is going through slumps, that's especially when the heat on Gallo is going to be intensified. And there's a reason that there's already rumors about the Yankees possibly looking at outfielders at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, if Joey Gallo did what he did yesterday with a little bit more consistency, nobody would be, well, people would no. still probably be complaining, well, but we wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> you and I wouldn't be complaining. I can't speak for the rest of the people, but you and I probably wouldn't be complaining if he's just doing that with a little bit more consistency or any consistency or just more than once. Yeah. Even <laughs> if he was playing at the pace that he was in the second half last year for the Yankees, it wasn't like 94 OPS plus is not that great from a guy who's like a power first bat, but it's better than the, you know, 79 OPS plus that he's been so far for the Yankees this year. And that's including the home run last night. So even before right. then it was worse, he's just been a different player than he was with the Rangers. And cause he was at least homering more than, and he's not, he hasn't been doing that. He's been missing a bunch of fat pitches in the zone and it's, it hasn't been pretty to watch. Uh, I don't think anyone thinks it is. No, no. All right. Or as my notes say, he sucked and it sucks that he sucks, but he sucks. Yeah. And they talked about this on the the spaces that uh, Josh hosted yesterday, but the alternatives are just not super inspiring. I know like we want to have some hope that maybe an Andujar or Florial or LeCastro could do what Gallo's doing, but it's not like any of them are like such slam dunks that it's embarrassing that the Yankees haven't tried them yet. And we may be heading down the door of like, well, maybe that should be tried sometime soon if Gallo's still not turning it around because this is just, you know, sort of maddening to see them do the same thing over and over again. But I don't know. It's hard to be super inspired. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think the internal options are anything great, which is why, like, yeah, like like you said, you, you keep putting Joey Gallo out there because you just hope he runs into one. It's probably better than what you're going to get from an Andujar or Floreal or LaCastro. Like, yeah, they might have, like, over like a better game here and there with, like, they might be able to scrap uh, together multiple hits here and there, but overall it's not, you're not getting anything better. I feel like at that point, and at least Gallo provides something defensively compared to like an Andujar, obviously Florial and LaCastro do at least, you know, provide that. And like the thing about LaCastro is like, he's, he's fun because he's fast. He's not fun because he's necessarily good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. LeCastro is a good like bench guy to have, but he's probably not going to be someone who's going to be starting for you. And granted, like the way that they're using Gallo right now is more of a fourth outfielder thing, but uh, I don't really see them DFA and Gallo just yet. If just to put like a LeCastro on the roster, if anything, no. they'd be trying it for like an Andujar, but even Andujar is like sort of diminishing returns. He's like hitting a triple a, but he hasn't really hit at the majors this year. I know even like during the double header, it was funny. Like it was almost a microcosm of everything that people love about Andujar, but in the end, the results are still like one hit in the double header, which was a good hit. And he did to get some line drives, but sorry, man. I mean, yeah, 
again, the, the, the options that they have internally are good depth pieces to have. Like if somebody goes down for with an injury, you could like play them for a little bit and it's not going to be the worst thing in the world, but to kind of just give them this, a starting spot over a Joey Gallo or whatever, it's not really inspiring. So you just kind of stick with what you have. I think their best options are to, you know, look at the trade market and see what, what deals Cashman could get done. And who knows, maybe he'll surprise us or maybe Joey Gallo will start to hit pitches one or the other. Yeah. I'll be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. And like something else with Florial that Josh brought up is that like he strikes out just a ton. You know, he's he's having a good year in AAA right now. So there's no question about it. But his strikeout rate is still 29.5% at the major league level in his career, in his short career. It's been 30%. Gallo's major league uh, strikeout rate this year is 39.6%, which is obviously quite high. But also Floreal's strikeout rate would not just stay at that 29% in AAA. It's going to be going up if you got more exposure. And at least with Gallo, you're getting maybe a chance that'll run into one like you did last night. So for now, I think the setup should probably be just, you know, doing what they're doing with like when some days it'll be Gallo out there, some days it'll be Hicks, some days it'll be maybe a Mike Carpenter and Marvin Gonzalez too. They'll float around between those op- those options and maybe see what works. We'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> for now. Like, yeah, and like if if you know, knock on wood, someone more important gets injured, then you reassess from there if it's going to be like a everyday situation. Because I don't know how much I could deal with Joey Gallo on an everyday basis. Yeah, no. Like right now, it's fine to shuffle between those options and just kind of let everyone get a, a a day here and there and whatever. But. I don't think you want any of them playing in the outfield on a consistent basis. Yeah. And I do think we probably are like, we may be very well headed toward the last days of Gallo as a Yankee. I think that the Yankees probably will make a move for an outfielder. If Gallo's still playing this poorly, like toward the end of July, I think they're going to try to wait as long as possible. They're not going to be like jumping on the market early or anything like that. But if the opportunity lines up to get, an outfielder from like one of the people that will be profiling on the site and over the next month, then they may well do that. Yep. And also get David Robertson. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you brought up, you brought up the deadline. Yeah. You should have known that was coming. <laughs> yeah. So it's all your fault. <laughs> and um, I guess we should, we should shout out Aaron Hicks has been playing well still and good to see him actually making consistent contact and not making himself part of the you know, oh, the Gallo and Hicks equation. I even had to go on Twitter the other day and sort of defend Hicks a little bit because people are still lumping them together. But, you know, Hicks is doing his job. And also he's not going anywhere because of his extension. So sorry, deal with it. But unless somebody's coming and calling for Aaron Hicks, he's not going anywhere. It's like, I'm here to Which... talk to you about Aaron Hicks. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, short. Here, take him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I think the uh, three weeks ago or whatever, we like, I, I made the comment he's looking more and more believable as a human being basically since like June started <laughs> like him and Gallo like in the beginning of June both him and Gallo were are, were turning it around and then Gallo just fell off the face of the earth after like two weeks but then Hicks has kept it going and um, you know he had that funny like grand slam yesterday which was funny and pathetic and sad and but still hilarious all at once because it was awful like a position player so it's like does it really count but <laughs> yeah I mean, with the uh, the righty righty matchup too yeah, and he was like righty on righty, which regardless, it's still good to see him contributing and not being tired of him because I like Aaron Hicks. Yeah, yeah. Pers- like I personally enjoy Aaron Hicks in, in when he was going through some slumps, it was not a lot of fun to watch, but he's been better. So I want to give him his flowers as it were. So yes. right, Aaron Hicks. 
But it's funny though, because he was joined by all the bad hitters and dingering yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it was funny how that, that just all worked out, especially especially before Judge hit his grand slam. It was like, right. oh, uh, Josh Donaldson and Joe Gallo have gone to back to back. Oh, Kyle Higashioka hit a monster home run to center field. Good for him. <laughs> Yeah, and the funny part is like we were like in like you and I were talking in our like Slack like uh, DMs about just like making the notes for today. Like, oh yeah, we probably should talk about how Gallo's been rough and then boom, <laughs> and then it's like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. So and the good the, the the cool thing about all like Gallo Donaldson Higashioka's homers was that none of them were like like you said wall scrapers. They were all like legit bombs. It's like one of those things where you're like, oh, you didn't look into it. You actually got a good piece of that. So you know. Good sign. Hopefully, yeah. maybe and that'll part of turn that, into something. Part of that is on the Pirates using, uh, you know, Mitch Keller and Tyler Beatty and some other not very good pitchers out there. Uh, all due respect to uh, our dear, dearly departed Manny Benuelos, who got sort of torched by Aaron Judge, but that'll happen to anyone. Yeah, but proof of concept that they can still do it. Exactly. Like, oh, hey, the ability is still there because that was like one thing with Gallo and stuff. I was like. I wasn't even sure if the ability was there anymore. So yeah. at least we know that. Do you even Homer, man? <laughs> Gallo, do you even Homer, bro? We should talk about the pitching a little bit. The starters have been giving up more home runs lately. And you you sort of made this note by the eye. And the numbers bear that out, too. Because from um, opening day until the end of May, they had allowed 0.9 homers per nine innings. And from June 1st onwards, they're allowing like 1.4 home runs per nine innings. So when you have that, you're basically getting like an extra homer every two games. And that has sort of borne fruit in the box scores in terms of most of the most of the pitching taking a slight step back in the past month or so. And you've seen that with like Nestor slowing down. He had a good start the other day. So that was uh, refreshing to see. But um uh, Tyone has really gone, been going through it lately. Montgomery has had some up and down starts. Garrett Cole has at least like been pretty good and sort of restored his form. Not that he was ever really like bad or anything the first two months. No. It was just like, oh, this is more the Garrett Cole that we're familiar with. Yeah. His, his, his worst thing was uh, Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah. Billy Crystal and, uh, you know, that one weird game in Minnesota. I think when yeah. he gave up like three home runs in a row. But right. it's mostly just because like, I, I haven't been like watching the games from the beginning for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've just kind of tuned in. Like I just had other stuff going on. So whenever I tuned in or whatever, but I'd catch up on like, the, like, Oh, what did I miss? Well, like how did they score or whatever? And I've just been seeing a lot of homers, 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 uh, homer from like the opposing time. Like what the hell's going on? That's why I asked you to look into it. Turns out I was right. So mm-hmm. I test always a winner. Always <laughs> believe in it. Yes. <laughs> we, yeah. Couldn't just the, the old scout. That's like, I just have a gut feeling. I don't care about the numbers. Yeah. He has trouble with the curve. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He's Clint Eastwood. <laughs> anyway, enough Clint Eastwood talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I guess we should say, too, uh, Luis Severino looked uh, pretty good last night in Pittsburgh. He threw six shutout innings, rebounded from a first inning jam to really get things back under control and retired 18 of the next 20 hitters to finish his night pretty strong. And he didn't even – he wasn't even striking out a ton of people either. So he was making it work. No, yeah. And, and Severino was going to be my Yankee of the week because like he was uh, like, you know, his last two starts, even against the Astros was still pretty, uh, was still pretty respectable when they were in Houston. He still went six innings. I think he only gave up two runs. It's just the offense just didn't do anything. And then obviously last night was still six innings, six shutout innings. So he was going to be my Yankee of the week until I made a startling discovery towards the 
end of my notes and I had to change it. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, Severino, that was very, very nice. That's called a tease, folks. So called a tease. <laughs> yep. And uh, in your original draft, you had also put in uh, quotes, lol, Chappie still sucks. But uh, I guess we do need to say there. in fairness, you know, obviously he was terrible in Cleveland. We're not going to sugarcoat that three walks that had to immediately leave. What are we even doing? Good God. But at least in his last two outings, he's managed, which were both like, you know, low leverage sort of things, but he still managed to throw shutout innings and looked a lot more like the Chapman of old. So we'll take that. I still stand by my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like, that's going to stand basically until we see him in a situation that matters. And even whenever that happens, I'm going to be hiding under a chair because I'm still scared. Yeah. And since you brought him up, is he the sweatiest man alive? He might be the sweatiest man alive. He's, he was like, like he, where, where he like dumps dumps his head in a bucket of water before he goes out there. I think that's Matt what was saying, like, saying that. Like, that's what I'm saying. Does he just dunk his head in water with the hat on? Like, I don't get it. Like, why are you so wet, my dude? Yeah, and he's pitching like a ten nothing ball game last night too. It's like oh. yeah, like it's only like a tense situation. Like, and it's like, like yeah, it's summertime, but like. You're in Pittsburgh right by the water. It can't be that hot. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have to resign ourselves that we're going to have to see him pitch against the Red Sox at some point this weekend. And that's not going to be. Fun. Nope. Nope. I will. I will write Aaron Moon a strongly worded letter if I see him in the next four days. <laughs> Dear sir, first of all, yeah. how dare you? <laughs> the Kelly Kapoor letter. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But Yankees have that big series in Boston looming for this weekend. It'll be four games. It's actually their first time playing them since the opening day weekend. And it's the first trip to Boston in the entire year. They will have 15 games against the Red Sox or 16 games, excuse me, over the last few months of the season. So that'll be fun that we have to keep revisiting these guys. Yeah. And it's like seven of them are coming over the next two weeks because I think they're in Boston for four. Then they go home to play the Reds for three and then they think boston comes to visit for a three game set right after that yeah i'm not mistaken yeah and that closes out the first half but yeah and then it's the all-star break so yeah and the yankees were uh sort of unfortunate that they missed when the red sox were like really hitting the skids uh, back in like late april and early may obviously they got them in the opening weekend series and they took two out of three but they're obviously the uh view of the red sox was a little bit different then (laughs) Yeah, but you know, I kind of disagree on that stance. I feel like the 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 like as bad as the Red Sox were at that for like that stretch or whatever, they still would have been annoying to play against. And like that's true. And then it would have just been a lot more frustrating for the Yankees to lose like two games or here and there or something like that. So I'm kind of okay with just them being better because it's just gonna be a lot less and it'll still be extremely annoying if the Yankees, you know, lose the series or whatever, but it's just gonna be not as annoying as if man, like this Red Sox team sucks and they still lost to them. That's, that'll just be worse. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Red Sox are uh, 35 and 18 since uh, bottoming out at nine games under 500 on May 8th. But I will say that they are three and six in their last nine games. So while they are overall on the upswing, they're sort of cooling down from how they played in June when they were really, really on fire, but still lost ground to the Yankees because, you know, the Yankees went 22 and six. <laughs> because of course they did (laughs) no mercy and whatsoever hopefully the yankees continue that trend over the weekend of no mercy because 
The Red Sox do not deserve it. I know that the Yankees are 14 games up on the American League East right now, but Which it can absurd. always be a larger lead if you ask me. Yeah. I'm like looking at the, the the standings right now, and it's like pretend the Yankees don't exist for like a half a second. Like, oh, Boston 45-37, the Rays 45-37, and 37, the Blue Jays are 45-38. and 38. Even the Orioles are like not – too embarrassing 39 and 44 like that's not that bad no my take my take on the orioles actually is that if they're in the al central they are probably a 500 team or at least somewhere closer so right so you know good for them and then it's just like you think they go wow this is a competitive division then all of a sudden the yankees have a 14 game lead yeah that's uh not small sitting at 59 and 23 like what the hell? Yeah, it's a very good cushion to put themselves in as we head toward the uh, – well, we're already in the second half, honestly, because game 82 was uh, this the past few days. So just keep it going for the last half of the season and coast from there. Yeah. And maybe, maybe they get to the wins record. Maybe not. If they don't, that's fine. But I am glad to see them just playing this well as a whole. Yeah, and more importantly, Judge needs to get to the home run record, 74. Yes. <laughs> well, and Stan needs to pick up his face, too. So, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. why, that's why he homered off the position player last night. He's like, yeah. I, I don't really want to do this and embarrass him, but I must do this for Kunj. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what he's thinking with that thing. For Kunj! Yes. By the way, let's, uh, let's get him to the All-Star game because he is yes. in the phase two of the voting um, for outfielders. He's in a tight race between... Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and George Springer for that last spot. Looks like Trout's going to get the other spot with Judge. But I would like to see Giancarlo Stan in pinstripes at the uh, All-Star I game. I think during the first update, what I, I know he was in a tight spot, but I think he was leading it, right? He was leading, but like, it was like 22% to 21% to 18% yeah, like, for like the last three like, spots. It so like, it's still very tight. Fully acknowledging that it was very close, but like I was honestly surprised to even see him actually lead there. So yeah, I think what helps is like you know he's actually – eligible as an outfielder rather than like the DH that he had been eligible for the last couple seasons. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's actually pretty crowded this year just because of Jordan Alvarez playing out of his mind and then Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani-ness. So, right. Although what's funny is that it, it seems likely that we might get Miguel Cabrera on the all-star team as the DH, just because the tigers are so bad and embarrassing that there's really no one else. And Miguel Cabrera is having a modest comeback year. And it's like, well, good enough for me. <laughs> yeah. And even if he doesn't, I was like, cause I think I was reading something about like, um, I guess the commissioner is allowed to appoint like a legend or whatever thing to the all-star game. So I was reading something about how like uh, you might use that to appoint Pujols to the all- yeah. all-star game. Just, which is like fair, but then like I guess he can also choose to do one for the AL to kind of even not even it out or whatever. So it might be uh, Miguel Cabrera if he doesn't just get selected as like the Tigers' loan representative or whatever. Yeah, I feel like he'll probably just get the normal pick because I feel like they'll reserve that commissioner thing for like oh uh, dudes retiring like Pujols or something like yeah. that, and it's not even going to be like an every year thing. But I think you know, yeah, sure, get Pujols on that team as for the National League, and why not? It's they have finally restored the all-star game to just whatever we're having fun with it. So you can do things like that. Yeah, exactly. And that was like the one thing that <laughs> we don't have to worry about this stupid determining home field for the world series. Yeah. It's legacy. <laughs> Woo! 
Uh, we should move on programming notes. Ron Marinaccio, we've lost him for a little bit. He is going to be on the injured list with some uh, inflammation. He had been able to sort of like pitch through it a little bit and throw some scoreless outings, but uh, the Yankees are just playing it safe with him. Totally get that. They have the bullpen depth to do so at the moment. So he is going to you know, hang out probably on the injured list until after the All-Star break. Yeah, Uh I'll take a little bit of uh, information over what was initially being called just dead arm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's something. I don't know. Yeah. Just dead arm does not sound promising or good at all. So yeah, but (laughs) he had been pitching really, really well in his 15 and a third innings since being recalled in late May, he had allowed uh, zero runs and one hit walked eight, but still 17 strikeouts. He was doing some really good work out of the bullpen Yankees will miss him, but he should be back soon enough. Yep. It was funny how he'd sort of like put himself in like the periphery of the circle of trust and like, you know, the Wandy Peralta, Lucas Lickie territory. So good for him. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not up there with the King and the Holmes, but probably out of Chapman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't want to see him, but we will. <laughs> yeah. Hey, funny he thing can with- pitch all he wants against the Reds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it just is a personal revenge game because hey, remember <laughs> when he was on the Reds a million years ago? I don't know. Honestly, that, that feels thing. so long ago. One thing that has uh, sort of been nice about the past week is that the Yankees have been able to sort of dial it back a little bit on both Clay Holmes and Michael King just because of the nature of the ball games they've been playing. Holmes has only pitched a third of an inning since June 29th. And that was to get like a little bolster save. Yeah, his two pitch save. It was great stuff. (laughs) And uh, King threw two innings during the doubleheader, but that's all he's pitched since June 28th. So they are rested and ready for this four game set against the Red Sox. Yeah. And obviously, you know that they're going to be called upon and needed. And you want them as fresh as possible because they're two of your best pitchers. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh man, it's going to be obviously in the bullpen. They're, they're the two best pitchers, but they, even just overall body of work with the pitchers, they're still two of the best pitchers that the Yankees have. So they're going to need them, um, and hopefully, you know, using them in good situations where the Yankees are up by like fifteen thousand runs, yeah. but still using Holmes and King because I don't trust anybody else. Yeah, and it'll be a, a revenge series for Michael King too, because apparently he went to high school in Rhode Island and then went to Boston College for school. So. Go get him. Things I don't think anybody besides Michael King knew. <laughs> yeah. Well, many, many moons ago. Yes. Go right. get your revenge, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we already done a little mini schedule preview. Red Sox this weekend, then Reds and more Red Sox next week. So take a short break for an ad and we'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, and we're back. So let's uh, peek in on our... Weekly BREF leaderboard check-in. How are we doing? So, a few changes here. One is um, extremely surprising, but I'll just kind of read off the list. So, obviously, 
Judge is still leading the top. I think I shouldn't even mention his name unless he like falls to second place, but I'm gonna anyway because it's just fun. But Aaron Judge, yeah, leading the top. DJ LeMayhew has uh, uh, boosted his way into uh, second on the team. He's nice. followed by uh, Glaber, Glaber Torres, Nestor Cortez, Jose Trevino, Garrett Cole, Clay Holmes, Josh Johnson, Michael King, Anthony Rizzo. And here's, here's what really got me today. IKF has joined the leaderboard. Weird. <laughs> very, very weird. Yeah. And it like, I was like, has everyone else just been that bad? That he's up here now, or has he been better? I don't know. It's more of a thing where baseball reference likes his defense more than, like, say, Fangrass does, because he's like 1.5 war on BREF and 0.8 on Fangrass, which feels a little bit more in line with how he's actually been playing. So right. that's just sort of like a little difference in the wars there and the behind the scenes workings. But it is funny to see him up there. Yeah, I mean, regardless, it's funny to see him out there on a team that has other people on it. <laughs> yeah, right up right um, up there between Rizzo, who you know, has hit 22 home runs, and Luis Severino, who's had a pretty good season. So. Yeah, and yeah, Severino rounds out the 12. One thing to note, though, is uh, obviously we've talked about Tyone and Montgomery having a you know, rough few starts, whatever. They've fallen off, and this is like the first time I can remember where all five starters are not actually on the top 12. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. And that's definitely a consequence of uh, what else has been going on with them. Look at your, your look at your body of work, guys. You've got IKF on the leaderboard. Yeah, it is unfortunate, too, with the, the defensive war thing. That's the reason why Giancarlo Stanton is not up there, because baseball reference right. is not like his defense. More other places are more agnostic about it. But he is technically for going by you know the decimal points, which is never really definitive in terms of war. But he's behind IKF 1.5 to 1.2. Come on, G, step it up. I should also <laughs> mention, this is not a leaderboard thing, but 22 games, Matt Carpenter, 1.1 more. <laughs> <laughs> All he does is dinger, dinger, dinger. My man loves to dinger, and we love him for it. It is, and yeah, his I, honestly, yeah, somehow we made it this entire podcast without talking about Matt Carpenter for a while, like 11 hits as a Yankee, eight home runs. <laughs> yeah, what a pickup, man. It's it was just a, one of those one of those savvy moves that you're just like, okay, fair enough. Yankees front office is pretty on this stuff. And we had heard about him making swing changes, but I mean, and Nobody you never, you yeah, you just dream that he could do something like this. But it's been yeah. pretty wild, and I I'm sure he'll cool off a little bit. But he would have been cut from this roster probably like a few weeks ago if he wasn't hitting this well. 100%. And like the thing is, like when they picked him up, it's, it was one of those like, all right, but they need a body right now. Mm-hmm. So who gives a crap of who it is? And if, if he had like just been god awful or whatever, like you said, he would have just been cut and it would have been that end of it. A lot of people still would have complained, but it's like, okay, who cares? You've got him for nothing and whatever. Now it's just like, oh shit, you have to make room for Matt Carpenter on this roster. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's like your downside is Kendris Morales sort of situation, but your upside is. Uh, like Cameron Mabin or something, one of those 2019 guys right. who turned into a suddenly valuable contributor. Yeah, Matt Carpenter. Keep on keeping on, sir. And do not ever save that, shave that glorious mustache. It is so good. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> you know, still shout out to his triple slash, which is 300. Okay, 407. Nice. 820. All right. <laughs> like, all right, you, you do you, your thing, sir. 
when you take the Fangraphs leaderboard and you change the minimum plate appearances to 50, he is the only, he is baseball's leader WRC plus. Really? <laughs> 237, 36 points ahead of Jordan Alvarez, who, you know, side note, 201 WRC plus in 72 games. Jesus. But take that. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> He's no Matt Carpenter. Get out of here. Nope. Yeah, and if we even if we want to take it down to just like regular old OPS, Carpenter has, has a twelve twenty seven OPS, and Jordan Alvarez is ten seventy one. Aaron Judge is nine ninety three. Solid. Yeah, solid. Also, Ooh. shout out decent company to be in. <laughs> also, shout out Paul Goldschmidt three forty three four twenty seven six twenty ten forty seven OPS one ninety four WRC plus. All yeah, right. he's been having a season. <laughs> yeah, he's low key. Like, I mean, great, great, everything about Paul Goldschmidt is low key. And, you know, the moment that the Cardinals traded for him a few years ago, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about the perfect setup. But he's been great, honestly, his entire career. Yeah. Classic Goldie. He actually has <laughs> 51.2 career FR, which is more than Mark Teixeira. So that is okay. Cool. Also, good company to be in. Yeah. Anyway, this has been Viva Alberto's talk. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what the, the site is called. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're getting off track. Let's uh, wrap this anyway, thing up. Back to the Yankees. Yeah. We'll finish up with the Yankee and Manfred of the Week. All right. Who is your Yankee of the Week? My Yankee of the Week is IKF. Uh, again, I did not even think about him, I forgot he was a person and didn't <laughs> exist. Uh, until I saw him on the leaderboard. I was like, how the hell is he on this leaderboard? And I looked up, and this past week, uh, you know, since our last recording, he's hitting uh, 444, uh, 444, 500. His, uh, he's got no walks, but, you know, he's got eight hits. And I was like, oh, that's, that's not bad. That's pretty solid. And then I realized seven of those hits came in the last two days. <laughs> yeah, he had a good little mini set against the Pirates. Yeah. A lot of ground ball hits, but that's what he does, you know. He got seven hits. Of one of them was a double, but he, just in the two games, obviously, two game stretch here. But he's hitting 700, 700, 800, good for fifteen hundred OPS. So yeah, IKF. This is probably your only chance to be here. Uh, <laughs> but congratulations! I did yeah. not expect seven hits in two games from you, so I'll take. It. Yeah, and it's one of those things where this is like his best case scenario when he's playing well. Because like none of these hits have really been like scalded, I would say. Maybe like one or two have been hit more than others, but a lot of ground ball hits and some finding holes. I don't know like how comfortable I am really like IKF like long term, but hey, that's why they have, you know, Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe cooking. So they We'll see what goes on with IKF. I wouldn't mind giving some starts like Marwin Gonzalez or something else, but they are probably riding it out with IKF anyway. And well, that's what they've decided is best and what their metrics have told them. So we will see what happens with it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> and he's, he much seems like a funny guy, so I'm happy for him. No, yeah, absolutely. And like you and I have been very vocal and amongst and many other people that they shouldn't go the stopgap route. They should have signed one of the big shortstops and so on and so forth. But it's what happened. It's, this is, yeah, <laughs> it, this is what happened. You have to live with it. And it's been far from honestly, as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be much worse. The IKF experience. I'm not saying it's been great, but 
it, it's been, it's been there. fine. It's and been, it's been fine. It's been. And it's been helped, obviously, by the fact that this Yankees lineup is so loaded that they don't really need the production from shortstop. So he got a nice steal yesterday that helped create the Yankees' first run. And I meant to say, DJ LeMahieu, it's been good to really have him hitting like he did. Um, I guess not quite to the degree he was in like 2019, 20, but hitting and just being a consistent contact guy, starting or helping rallies, cash them in. Good to see him playing well. Yeah, I don't think he's like the MVP candidate that he was those two years anymore, or at least right now, obviously not right now, but he's definitely better than what we what we had with him last year. So, you know, you have a little bit more faith in that contract going forward too. It's like, okay, maybe it was just he was hurt and all that. So whatever it is, you know, I'll take this version of DJ LeMahieu for the next couple of years. Yeah, as long as you're getting like a you know, slightly above league average bat and he's playing much better than slightly above average, but with the versatility to play anywhere and he's playing terrific baseball at third base as well and you just appreciate having a guy like that you can even like slotting in for Rizzo when he's had back stiffness it's it's very I mean I don't want to say it's fortunate that the Yankees have someone like that because obviously they invested so there's no like fortune behind it this is a choice they made but you you feel a lot more secure with the makeup of your roster when you have people that are that versatile out there yeah and this is what DJ LeMay was originally brought in to do like he was literally brought in to be able to yeah. play everywhere and Obviously, he just kind of stole the show and, like, you know, just took the second base job uh, for his for a couple of years. But you kind of go back to it and it's like, oh, this is what they wanted him for. And it's working out really well for the Yankees. Yeah. All right. Um, but as much as I said that, <laughs> I'm going to go a different direction for my Yankee of the week. I'll say Glaber. Glaber has really been coming on of last week with a 444, 565, 556, triple slash, 230 WRC plus. Been playing really, really well, hitting, making good contact. He's been he played some nice defense at second base last night, honestly. So uh, yeah. we'll shout out Glaber. Like Glaber. Glaber good. Glaber good. And also enjoying his bounce back season as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's a guy who really need it. And he's just looking a lot more comfortable out there and knows what he's doing. So hooray, Glaber. Yeah. Don't really have to harp on it too much. Thank you very much. Nope. <laughs> All right. Who is your man for the week? All right. This is a little sad for me to do, but it's going to be Jose Trevino. <sighs> yeah. Uh, his, his defense is still good. It's still strong and all that. But with the bat, it's just been quiet. Since we last recorded, he's got one hit, which is a homer, but he's hitting 063, 063, 250. His OPS is 313. And that's just in the last like four games, like going back to that one game in Houston. But if you go a little bit further back, I'm just kind of making up my own arbitrary endpoints here. But the, over the last 15 games, he's hitting 125, 173, 271. It's it's not helping my case to get him into the All Star game. I'll tell you that much. No, and yeah, and he's he's technically in phase two of voting too. So if you're voting for Stan, just throw a vote for Trevino because why not? And we don't need to vote for Alejandro Kirk. Screw the Blue Jays. <laughs> right, <laughs> but. Um... <laughs> Yeah, he's he and he may very well still make the all-star team just because the AL catching pool is dire, but he is sort of returning to earth a little bit. This is always going to happen eventually. So you hope that he can just, you know, find some of that earlier form. But if not, then you still have a really, really good defensive catcher there. And maybe now is the time for Higgy's bat to take over. Probably not. No. <laughs> if you want to rotate hot streaks with the catchers, then that's fine by me, but Maybe yeah, uh, Trevino play a little bit better because you're more fun to watch. He is more fun to and watch. I think his, his defense is a little bit better too, I think. So yeah, 
All right. My man for the week is going to be Jamison Tyone. You can't be getting wrecked by the Pirates. What are we doing? Yeah. We've already detailed the pitching story to stick set back over the past month that Tyone, since he flirted with the perfect game against the Angels, he has a 6.16 ERA since June 2nd uh, after the all-star caliber first two months. And in his last three starts, focusing even further, 7.88 ERA. So he's got some work to clean up his game a little bit, take a breather, reset. But it's it's it might be it might be bad against the Red Sox this weekend. We'll see. Yeah, I wonder if he's just like getting a little bit tired or something. I don't know. Like, but maybe he did throw 140 innings last year, so it's not like he's running up on the same kind of innings limits or the, anything like that. That like might be hitting Cortez or like a, maybe even Luis Severino eventually. Uh, obviously, like they'll be asking for Tyone to get a little bit further than 140 this year, but I don't know. Maybe just sort of needs to reset things a little bit. Not quite to the degree that he needed to last year when he was like awful, got powdered in Philadelphia and then totally changed things, but uh, maybe work on some things and bring that to Fenway for Sunday night baseball. Yeah, please. Oh God, he's going on Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs> that can't be good. I'm sorry, no offense to Jameson Tyon, but that can't be good. Yeah, it's just something about the combination of him and Fenway and like Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers of the world. It's like, oh, yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just going to be like watching with like just a little bit of a opening between my fingers and just having that cover my eyes. Yeah, I'm just <laughs> squinting the, through the game. The combination of Jamison Tyo and pitching at Fenway against the Red Sox and Aroldis Chapman warming up the bullpen. I would, I might actually turn off my TV at that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. All right. So uh, I think that'll do it for us on this episode of the Pinster Valley Podcast. You got anything else? Or are you good? Yeah, not much. Go Yankees, go baseball, and uh, destroy the Red Sox and destroy Fenway Park. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter at Pinstrip Valley. Follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. Uh, what? Just yell about something random. What, what's up? John Carlos Stanton put All a right. hole in Fenway Park with the home run. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, the official prediction of the weekend. There will be a tiny little hole in the green monster from John Carlos Stanton homering through it. All right. Sounds good to me. He should also hit like 700 home runs in addition to that. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Aim higher. He'll do that in his first step at, and then be like, ah, okay, I need to reset my uh, physics a little bit. Ah, there we go. Yeah, just like the the, the wild card game last year. Yeah. Oh, that's a bad note to that. end on, but yeah, aim yeah. higher. <laughs> there we go. Well, I'm thinking about Giancarlo Stanton in that game, so that yeah. game we... Yeah, he's, he, he's learned his lessons from that, so he's like, okay, now I will hit that over the fence. Yeah. All right. Uh, that'll do it for right. us. Uh, talk to you later. See you.